Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. This is the last week on our series um, about we're looking at the different characteristics of the Lord and, and the different attributes he, are, he has and how we can mirror that. Today we're going to be preaching on God is God is most wise. Everybody say, God most wise. Amen. Grab your insert. Pull your insert out. There's lots of scriptures on there. If you have a telephone, you can go to Uversion and hit events and go down to Church on the Rock and you can find us there. But God is most wise. The reason he is infinitely wise is because he's the ancient of days. Come on, anybody out there ever been called ancient? Huh? Anybody been called ancient out there? All right. You're in good company because Daniel said, talking about the Lord, he said, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Isn't that a powerful statement? His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head was like wool, and his throne was a flaming fire, and the wheels were ablaze. So this Ancient of Days, this God most wise that we serve, you know, he has no beginning. He always was. He is all sufficient. He has always been. In Joe, in Psalms chapter 92 and verse 10, the Bible says, Before you, or before he, before he created the hills, before he brought the world into, be, into being, the Bible says he was eternally. Everybody say eternally. He was eternally God. He was God forever. Who only, 1 Timothy 6.16 says this, Who only has immortality. Who only has immortality that dwells in the light which no man can approach, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be glory and honor. Glory and honor. Let's give God glory and honor right now. To him be glory and to him be honor and him to be power everlasting and everlasting. Amen. Lord, we worship you, Elohim. When it says, in the beginning, God created, that God is the Hebrew word Elohim. We worship you, Elohim. It is you that has created the heavens and the earth. It is you that has been from the beginning. It is the Lord that's created us, and it's the Lord that has crowned us with glory and honor. He is the all-sufficient one. He always has been that. He is God most wise. He is God most wise because in him is life itself. In him is life itself. The Bible says in John 5, 26, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also that he might have life in himself. And then the Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 4, in talking about how the Son was granted the same life that the Father had. And then John 1, 4 says, and the Word. Everybody say, the Word was Jesus. The Word was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. It says, and the Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. How many have seen that light of Jesus? 
How many have experienced that Zoe life? How we were dead in trespasses and sins, but Ephesians chapter 2, 1 says that there's been a quickening. There's been an awakening. How many have had that awakening in your heart? Because the Father gave life to the Son, and the Son now has given life to everything and everyone. So if you lack that life today, it's the, it's the need for a Savior. Everybody needs that Savior. Jesus told us that the thief, the thief comes to steal. This, the thief comes to steal your joy, your peace, your happiness, your life. The thief, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. But Jesus said what? That I have come that I might what? Bring life. Bring life. And not only that you have life, but that you have fullness of life. I've been reading a book by Mark Batterson. Um, it's a really good book. It's called The Whisper. The Whisper by Mark Batterson. And um, he, in this, in this, when we talk about God most wise, I want to say that God is most wise how he is the architect, how he's the visionary. How many feel like that maybe you're called the entrepreneurship or you're a visionary? You get that because you're created in the image of God. So God is most wise that he's architect and he's master builder and he's a a visionary. Did you realize the Bible says that in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it says the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then Then God said, let there be light. Have you ever thought about how the very first words that we hear from our Creator, the very first words were, let there be light. And Mark Batterson said this. Here's a paraphrase paraphrase on when God said, let there be light. Let there be electromagnetic radiation with varying wavelengths that travel 186, 282 miles per second. Let there be radio waves, microwaves, and x-rays. Let there be photosynthesis and fiber optics. Let there be LASIK surgery, satellite communication, and suntans. And oh, let there also be something beautiful such as rainbows after a storm. Let there be light. These are God's first recorded words. This is God's first recorded sound. Light is the source of vision. Without it, we can't see a thing. Light is the key to technology. It's how we talk to someone halfway around the world because light travels at seven and a half times a second. Light is the first thing we think of in the food chain. No photosynthesis equals no no food. How many try to grow grass under a shade tree? You know what I'm talking about? Light is the basis of health. The absence of light causes everything from vitamin D deficiency to depression. Light is the origin of energy. In Einstein's equation, E equals mc to the second power. Energy, E is defined as m mass times the speed of c squared. The speed of light is a constant. And the light is the measuring stick for space and time. Light is the alpha and the omega for everything that includes you and me. There is a pioneer in in the extragalactic astronomy named Hubble. 
He estimated that 2 billion galaxies and recent research indicates this estimate may be, less, may be at least 10 times too low. Here is the significance of that discovery. The four words spoken by God in the beginning are still creating galaxies at the outer edges of the universe. Four words. Yes, four words. Let there be light. He is a wise God. He is a master. He is an architect. He is a creator. I'm getting where I'm reading more and more secular books, especially on, on, on the mind and, and, and emotional things. And, and I'm reading more stuff, and I'm like, hey, the world's finally starting to catch up with the church. The, these moderns, the, these scientists and some of the things they're coming up with, it's kind of like in the book of, of Jeremiah, he talked about a will a long time before people figured out what the will was. Well, people are just now, all these people that think they're so smart, God's already been telling the Christian how to do it in the Word, and they'll give you like seven things that you're supposed to do for happiness, and I'm like, yeah, it's this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, and this scripture, and they're thinking they thought of it, when it's really the word of God. I'll tell you what the foolish, what people and men think they're so wise, they're foolish compared to the things of God for he is a very wise God. He's a master builder. He's a visionary. They still can't figure out the brain. The the brain and emotionalism and, and anxieties and depressions and all these things and how they're talking about the brain. The brain is something that, 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 that they're, they're trying to explore. They don't even know. They, they, it's just a hit and miss and a wonder what they try to do. DNA is trying to be figured out. Blood, God is an amazing God. He is most wise. He possesses all knowledge, brothers and sisters. He knows, he, he holds all knowledge. He holds every fact. He's not prejudiced. He's incapable of any bias. His wisdom leaves no room for cruelty or vindictiveness or being vengeance. He doesn't see the color of skin or your genealogy or how much money you make or the position you hold. He doesn't see any of that. He's omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. There's no place that he isn't. He knows exactly Who did what to whom, on what day, in which location, and for what reason. He is an eyewitness to the fact, clear-sighted with perfect recollection. He sees everything. He knows everything. He sees the eternal, and he's he's even able to know what you're internally. He not even sees the external. He even sees the internal motive of the heart. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13 that there's, no, there's nothing hidden from his sight, but all things are laid bare to his eyes. Now that could be a little scary, but it's not to me. It's not scary to me because I have Jesus Christ in my heart and his blood cleanses me from everything. And it's by his work on the cross, not by my work. That it's his righteousness that's been given to me because I fall short all the time. And when I hear stuff like that, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. But, but know that God sees you through the lens of the cross. God sees you through his love and through his blood. All you have to do is accept him and come to him. But he is omniscient. He is omniscient. He does know everything. Even before the Bible says in Psalms 139, even before there's a word on my tongue... You know what I'm going to say, Lord. 
He even knows the number of hairs on my head. Come on. Some of us more than others. Amen. He counts the number. This one blows my mind. This is all scripture today. Psalms 147. He counts the number of stars. Listen to this. The word says he gives them all names. He knows the very need that you have before you even ask it. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. That means he's all, he knows everything. He knows all things. And because he knows all things, he's able to choose and help you find that perfect solution. And find that perfect ending. He knows what's at stake. He knows what decisions affects what and affects who. He knows who's involved and what will happen as a result. You know, we go around just making these flippant decisions and flippant choices, and then we come and hand a plate to the Lord of a mess, and we say, can you do something with this? God, in His wisdom, helps us make the right decision because He knows all this stuff that I've been saying for the last couple of minutes. He possesses all the facts. He combines them. He possesses all the facts And he combines them with perfect insight and chooses wisely every time. He knows what to do and his timing is always perfect. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11 verse 33, I love this scripture. If you're ever itching your head and you can't figure out why things are happening the way they are in your life. Maybe you can jot this scripture down. In Romans 11 33 it says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments or his decisions. And sometimes his ways are just past finding out. Someday you're not, sometimes you're not going to understand why. You're not going to understand what for and, and, and why things happened the way they did. Sometimes you have to trust the Lord with all your heart. Because he's infinitely wise, he lives and moves outside of time. Do you realize God is not in our time? He's not in time. Revelations 1.8 says this, that he's the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord. I'm the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come. Listen, we see to the corner. God sees around the corner. We look to the future, and the future, he's already there. He knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future because he lives outside of that. Because God is not bound by time, he's able to determine the end. Because God is not bound by time, he's able to determine the end from the beginning, acting within the time that you're living. I want to say that again. Because God is not bound by time. He's able to determine the end. From the beginning. But he's at work. on the end. He's at work in the middle. With perfect awareness of the outcome. And he's helping you. God not only is wise. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to help you understand things. So that. His end and his best plans from you for you can be seen through. Karen, you said one time at I think it was your dad's funeral, you talked about the you were born here and then you died here 
What about the dash? Wasn't that you that did that? You know, God's inside the dash. God's at work. God, look at me, believe this. God is at work in all of your lives. If we'll surrender our heart and surrender our ways, he's at work and he knows all this. When I talk about his infinite wisdom, he wants to share these things with us and he wants to help us through life. In God's infinite wisdom, this is very, very, very important. In God's infinite wisdom, you have to believe that he always acts for your best interests. In God's infinite wisdom, he always, everybody say always. He always acts for your best interests. And a little bit when we talk about how can we mirror God's wisdom, we should always be acting for everybody else's best interests. Are you all with me? Are you all with me? He always does it. He always lives, moves, and does things that's best for us. He always, that's why God is most wise. To understand him as God most wise, you have to know what he isn't. To understand him as God most wise, you have to understand what he isn't. He isn't the giver of cancer. He isn't the giver of sugar diabetes and diseases. He isn't the giver of sickness. If I, if I ever have sickness attack me, I don't, I don't sit and say, thank God did that to me. Most of the time when sickness hits me is because I'm running too long. I'm not taking time off. I'm not eating right, and I'm not taking care of my, my body like I should. So how could that be God? I, 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 know, I know people, that, 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 I know people that, that, that go eat all-you-can-eat Chinese buffets, and then they pull their uh, sugar diabetes shot out and stick it in their belly. God didn't do that. Put the, put the fork down. Put the spoon down. Take care of your body. I mean, I think, there's a, I think we have a part in this thing. Don't you think for a second that God allows people to get raped or sexually abused or emotionally hurt? I, I saw a picture one time, and I kept it when, in, the ni- in the 1980s where Jesus was on a rock and, and his head was, was bent over and he was weeping as he held an unborn child in his hand. Don't you think that... Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. Anything that's negative, anything that's destructive, anything that kills, John defined it. The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. You can't find in Scripture where God, Justin did so good last week when he talked about Job. He made it real clear that Job went, that Satan went from the presence of the Lord and Justin raised his voice and said, and Satan afflicted Job. And Satan afflicted Job. And the, the, the hurt, the pain, and the stuff in this world is a result of the fall of man clear back in the Garden of Eden. But yet, guys, Satan can, the enemy can enter into people. I mean, how do you describe people that just walk into bars or to schools and start blowing people's heads off? How can you say that? God's, that, that breaks God's heart. But Adam and Eve gave dominion 
of this world over to Satan at the fall. But Jesus Christ, born of a seed of the woman, born of a virgin, he came in a human body and he died a death on the cross. And he rose from the dead and he took back the power of death, hell, and the grave. And when you ask this Christ to come into your heart, there is It isn't just repeating a prayer. There is a quickening power that happens. Your spirit was dead, but your spirit comes alive. It comes alive, I'm telling you. It's it's turned on. You, 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 You get turned on to God. And when you get turned on to God, the devil wants to keep you thinking that you're still inadequate, that you're still this, that you're still that. But when you start getting revelation, you're not that anymore because the word says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Satan will only take what you give him. The Bible says submit your will to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, buddy, you were given back the same dominion that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. You, The Bible says that you're to walk on scorpions and you're to walk on snakes, which means the power of the enemy. And, and then God says, and I've given you authority and power over all the enemy. Yeah. He even says in Matthew that whatsoever things you forbid on the earth are forbid in heaven. There's an authority that's given to the believer. Walk in that authority. Walk in that authority. The result of the fall, this hate, violence, discrimination comes from people. People. It comes from everybody wanting their way. It comes from everybody thinking they're right. It comes from nobody wanting to work together. It comes from nobody wants to respect anymore. It's not God. It's people's issue. And people's choices. You know what? Some of you even think God's mad at you because you're suffering. Do you know, I don't remember if it's Jeremiah or Ezekiel, but you look up backsliding in KJV and you'll find it in King James Version. If you look up backsliding, but it says, oh Israel, it says, your own backsliding has reproved you. Sometimes you're not even being being disciplined by the Lord. You know, to a Christian, somebody said the other day they were being disciplined by the Lord. Thank God he disciplines us. How many has ever had a swat from the Lord? I get them all the time. How many gets the eyebrow from the Lord? God can touch my chest like my daddy never could. Son, you better straighten up. He does that. God does convict me. He does tell me that. But you know what? A lot of times, uh, it's not God chastening you. Some of you that's making choices that aren't good for you or your family or others around you, your choice is what you're suffering from. You know, a lot of people say the enemy is accusing me. A lot of times, it's not even the enemy. It's you're accusing yourself. God most wise isn't the cause of pain. 
isn't the cause of sorrow and destruction. He's the answer to all this. God most wise is here to help us today. God most wise is here to help people to speak light into your world that it is without form and that is in darkness. Do you realize just as God used four words, and I told you, look what four words did when God said, let there be light. God can come in your dark world. Your world was without form. How many say my world was out without form and it was dark? But when God says light, just like I told you all that other, when he says let there be light, that can be let there be some peace. Let there be some joy that you haven't had. Let that relation get, get destroyed. Let that addiction break. I mean, when he says let there be light, there's a lot of things that can happen. If you know what I'm talking about. God is here to speak life and breath, life into your dead decisions, life into that. God is here to calm your storm and help you navigate through your storm with infinite wisdom. God most wise is here to clean up our messes that we've made. God most wise is here to fix the fall and to return order to your chaos. God most wise is here to heal the afflicted, the abused, the hurting. God most wise can take chaos and darkness, failure, destruction, and he can take a mess of everything and make it all new. God most wise. How many need that today? How many need that today? You know, Romans 8.28 says this, and we know, everybody say we know, that all things work together for good. This is Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. Now, here's a couple of prerequisites. To them that love God, how many of you love God today? Okay, so it's going to be good. To those who love God and who are called to his purposes and not yours. How many have surrendered your life to him and you love him? Amen. I didn't think about this. How many of you surrendered your life to the Lord and you love him? You got two hands up. You're free. Amen? We're free. It's going to be good. Amen. So, how do we mirror God's wisdom? We mirror God's wisdom by always acting in the best interest of everybody. You know, everybody lives in in a tribe. Everybody lives in a community. Because we're designed to live in community, we live with others. The decisions we make have to be made with others in mind. That's what's wrong with our world, I'm telling you. Everybody is living to themselves. The decisions we make, hey guy that's texting people on the phone that isn't your wife, you're living to yourself because that's going to mess you up. It's going to destroy you. I'm telling you. People, we, we, we do things just for what we want right then and right there and what right now. Guys, godly wisdom doesn't think about what's best for you. Godly wisdom thinks about what's best for the people around them. If you're married, you're always thinking about what's best for your wife. If you're married and you've got kids, you're thinking about what's best for your wife and kids. If you're working at a job, you're thinking about what can you do to help your other employees and other cohorts? What can you do to help them? If you're in church, you're always pushing others up and not trying to push yourself up. That's the kind of godly wisdom that needs to be happening in the church. What's, what is the best outcome for everybody else? 
What's the greater good of the community? How does this affect? You know, um, I was watching that America's Got Talent. How many saw that deal where they take a ball and they let it loose and it just, what do you call that? There used to be a game you played. Huh? Where you set things up and the ball rolls here and it dumps this bucket and the bucket. Mousetrap. Well, they set one of these up where the cards fall down and then this does this to that. And then this, when it does that, lets this fire do that and hits this hammer on this fan. And then the fan comes on and moves this thing around here that hits this and That's the way our decisions are. They affect things. They affect things. Wisdom's what's doing best for everybody else. You know, the Bible gives us a definition of godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. It's found in James chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. I love it. Who is wise among you? Let him show it or let him prove it. I'm reading out of NLT. NLT. Uh, If you are wise and you understand God's ways, prove it. I love it. (laughs) If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. I love it. By living an honorable life. Show me some walk with your talk. James is all about faith being shown by actions. He said, you speak of your faith. I'll tell you about my faith by my actions. So he said, by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and selfish in your heart, don't cover it up with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kinds of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find much disorder. And every kind, much disorder and evil of every kind. Look at this. But the wisdom that is from above. How many want to know wisdom from above? The wisdom that is from above, it's first pure. Wise people live an upright and a pure and a moral life. The second thing is it's it's peace loving. Wise people don't foster division. Wise people forgive. Instead, they work to the end to Put away strife and turmoil. They're peace-loving. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Isn't it interesting that the Beatitude says, blessed on the peacemaker? Then it talks about relationship. Then they shall be called children of God. Peacemaking has all to do with family. Has all to do with tribe. If you're wise at work, if you're wise at home, if you're wise at church... Wherever your tribe is, you're going to be pure. You're going to be a peacemaker because this is godly wisdom. You're going to be gentle. Wise people are always reasonable and open-minded. They're really good listeners. Simon Sinek said this, Good listeners have a huge advantage. For one, when they engage in conversation, they make people feel heard. They feel that someone really understands their wants, needs, and desires. And for good reason, a good listener does care to understand. Did you catch that? A good listener really does care to understand. So they're gentle. The the, the wisdom of God is gentle. 
at all times. The wisdom of God is able to yield to others. The wisdom of God is full of mercy. It's full of good deeds. Wise people are willing to yield to others. They don't have to win. You know, that's what's wrong with community. Is everybody's got to win. I got to get my point. Got to win the argument. You know what? Don't die for every hill. Some hills you need to put the stand in and hold the hill. But by God, some of us need to get enough sense we let some things go. Who really gives a... Oh, the country boy's starting to come out in me. Who really gives a, you know, you know. Why do we do that? Wise people put the needs of others in front of themselves. They're full of mercy. They're full of good deeds. They show no favoritism. And they're always sincere. They're merciful. The wise people demonstrate compassion, forgiveness, kindness. Wise people are impartial. They're fair and just. They're sincere, wise people genuinely and really care. And they're really honest with you. And they're not deceitful, hypocritical, or two-faced. Amen. And then I close with this last scripture. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I want you to bring that scripture up, that verse 18. Hey, good job, you guys, getting that in the NLT. Look at this. And those who are peacemakers. Notice he just pulled out one of, the, one of the examples. We had pure. We had sincere. We had merciful. We had lots of things. But th- he just pulled out this example. You could put any of them in there. Are you all with me? You could put any of them in there. And those who are pure or those who are sincere, those who are peacemakers, whatever, And those peacemakers plant seeds. I want everybody to say plant seeds. When I woke up this morning, God said, son, God talked to you this morning. One sentence. God talked to me real clear. One sentence today. He said, son, the most important thing you're going to say today is this right here. And those people peacemakers who plant seeds the people who plant seeds of peace reap a harvest of righteousness God spoke this today to me he said Brian try to get people to take me at my word and to say I'm going to apply you know wisdom is three things in the Hebrew. The first Hebrew word of wisdom is, is chakma. And what chakma means is chakma means that you, you, you have a concept. There's a concept that you think you buy. It's just like a concept or an idea. And then the second word in the Hebrew for wisdom is b'nai. And b'nai is when you take that concept like a concept is two plus two is four. That's just a concept. And you, you can memorize concepts and still not be wise. But when you get understanding, B'nai is understanding. So you get a concept, but then you move to the second level 
of wisdom, and it's b'nai. And b'nai means that you understand it, that you understand why 2 plus 2 equals 4. And because you understand why 2 plus 2 equals 4, it opens up everything else where you also know 2 minus 1 is 1, and 1 plus 3 is because you understand the concept. You have understanding. Listen to me. That's why it's so important when you pray. Listen to me, seriously. That's why it's so important when you pray, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, which I pray every day, that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom, wisdom, a concept, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We don't just need a concept, we need understanding. You can know God heals, but you need to understand and believe God heals. You can know, you can know, you can have concepts, you can memorize concepts, you can memorize scriptures. But until you get it in your heart and you believe it, And brothers and sisters, that comes by reading the word. That comes by your your talk always precedes the action. God always said it before it happened. He said, let there be light, then there was light. To me, if you don't feel the strong faith or the strong belief, just get your words right at first. Your faith will catch up. That's a good one. Start. The Bible says in Amos 3.3 that two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. God's wanting you to come in agreement on some things and to walk with him on some, on some things. But where the Bible says whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What if you're struggling on that belief part a little bit? Then say it. Keep saying it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. His report says, I am healed. Find the scriptures. Find the promises of God and stand on them. Stand on them. Stand on them. But wisdom's three things. It's a concept. It's chakma. And then it's b'nai. That's when you understand it. And then the last thing is it's dot. D-A-C-H. Dot. And dot means practice. Apply it. Do it. You can be the wisest person in the world and never do anything. You can never get your rump off the seat. You can know what to do. You can understand what to do. But somebody say, let's do it. Here's what the Lord says. Here's what God says. It is seed time. It is seed time. It is seed time. It is seed time. What does that mean? It means get your nose in the book, meaning the word of God, and start planting the word with your tongue and with your mouth and with your confession of faith. Start calling things what God calls them. Start seeing things as God sees them. Quit accepting the way things are and say things are going to change. Don't believe the report that you've been given. Don't, 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 don't set back and say, I'm always going to be addicted. Don't set back and say, I'm always going to have anxiousness, anxiety. Don't, don't set back and, and just, just, just wait on all that stuff. Get a concept. Don't, don't sit back and watch your marriage go down the tubes. Don't sit back and watch your kids go to hell in a handbag. Get some word. 
Get some understanding. Ask God to give you understanding to fill your heart with faith and belief. Get to where you, whatsoever things you desire in prayer, believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. I'm telling you, a lot of times the faith, it's way back here. Getting the, the word, the word's how you, how you bring it up where it needs to be. Are y'all with me today? Amen. So, you that have thrown seed, bad seed in, in the world, the Bible says this. You that have thrown bad seed in the tornado where it's spun everywhere and you got weeds coming up everywhere and you got a mess of things and you're a mess. And you're a mess. Your harvest is going to come by today deciding, I'm going to start planting good seeds. I'm going to start walking in purity. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this world, this godly wisdom. Are you all with me today? That's what I mean by planting seed. I'm going to plant seed. I'm going to plant seed. Don't you do, people do stuff for a week and they're like, I did it a week and nothing happened. Go study how long Abraham waited to have his promised child. Go see how long it took Noah to build the ark. Come on. I felt God say, Brian, get him to practice wisdom. There's seed time and there's harvest. But here's what I promise you is that those who plant seeds of peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Those who plant seeds of righteousness, you will harvest a crop of love. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 29 in the Message Bible says, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man. Your seed, your words. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your words. I'm talking about you saying God's word. God's word. God's kingdom is like sowing God's word. A man throwing God's word, his seed. And in bed, he throws it everywhere. And when you do that, you just keep throwing the seed. The seed sprouts and it grows. And you're like, how'd that happen? The earth does it all with his help. First a green stem of grass, then a bud, then a ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps harvest time. Amen. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.